This is the message given by Pastor James Lim during the morning worship service at Faith Presbyterian Church, Long Beach, California, for February 26, 2023. The title of the message is Partakers of Gospel Grace. Continue in our morning series through the, Paul's epistle to the Philippians. If you turn with me to Philippians chapter 1. If you uh, don't have a Bible or you have a different translation, you can follow along on page three of the bulletin. Before we hear God's word read and and, uh, exposited, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's uh, ask him for his Holy Spirit to illuminate so we can comprehend and understand what we're about to hear. Let's pray together. Our Father, we come before you boldly, uh, humbly. We come before you asking that your your word would be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that as we listen carefully by faith, as we hear every word, uh, Lord, may it be a testimony to ourselves and to one another and to the world that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from your mouth. May it be sweeter to our lips than honey. And Lord, would you be with me as I expound your word, as I Uh, preach it as I apply it. Father, would you send it forth, uh, and that, Lord, would you ordain it for all that you send it out, that it would not return unto you void. We ask these things in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Hear now the reading of God's holy word, beginning in verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. May he add his blessing to it this morning. Last summer, during my Uh, sabbatical, my three-month sabbatical, I uh, visited uh, my previous church in Orlando, Florida. It was, it was wonderful. It was so great to see my mentor and his wife, Larry and Gail Minninger. Uh, You remember them when, when uh, they both came for my installation when I first uh, was installed here as pastor. And uh, I stayed at their house and as soon as uh, I saw them, it was like no time had passed. We picked up right where we left off, um, and, and uh, they looked uh, a little bit older, but it was as if I had uh, spent my whole life with them. And we, even, we kept touch over the years, but there's nothing like uh, seeing them in person. I also visited some of, uh, some of the closest and dearest members of the church that I'd pastored. And it was wonderful to see how the Lord had been caring for them over the years. Uh, I counseled some of them through their trials and tragedies. I cried with them uh, at the the passing of their loved ones. I rejoiced with them as they rejoiced in the birth of their children or in, in some of the wonderful events in their lives, marriages, birthdays, um, graduations. I taught their children the gospel and it was wonderful to see how many of them are still walking with the Lord. And it was heartbreaking to hear about those who weren't. Some went on to marry in the Lord and now have 
children of their own. And it's wonderful to see how those children are being raised in the nurture and admonition of God's covenant. I realized how they, like each of you, have a special place in my heart because of the love that we share in Christ Jesus. It's a deep affection that transcends everything else and binds us together with the very affection of Christ. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. This is what Paul teaches us. He tells us why he feels such a deep affection for the Philippians. And in doing so, he shows us why we ought to feel that same affection for one another. So let's begin. First, he feels a deep affection for them because he holds them deep in his heart. Last week, Paul described the joy he felt in remembering the the, uh, Philippian church. Uh, He remembers them. He gives thanks whenever he remembers them in his prayers, uh, in his uh, care, in, in their partnership in the gospel as he is imprisoned for the gospel in a Roman jail. And now in verse 7, he feels the need. Uh, it's almost like his, his joy for them, his remembrance of them, his love for them, his affection for them is bubbling up out of the pages of, of his letter here. And he feels the need to justify his feelings towards them. That it's not just hyperbole, but it is the very heart of how he feels for them. Look at verse 7. It is right for me to feel this way about you all, right? He's not embarrassed to express his love for them. He wants them to know exactly how he feels about them, and he's not ashamed of it. He's wearing his heart on his sleeve, so to speak. Uh, He's laying it all out on paper. And this reminds us that, uh, that we need to have not only an orthodoxy, but also an orthopraxy or an orthopathos. And that's just a, a, the Latin way of saying, not only do we need right doctrine, right teaching, but we need to have right feeling that goes along with it. The doctrine of our union with Christ and the fellowship that we have in the gospel ought to lead us to have a deep love for one another because of that truth. And that's what Paul is reminding us here. It's not some cold, calculated doctrine of the gospel, but it is deep affection and love because of the gospel. And so Paul here tells us he's he's unashamed about two things, his love for Jesus and his fellow Christians, and so should we. So what does this heartfelt affection look like? What's the root of it? Why why does he feel this way about his fellow believers? It means holding them deep in one's heart. It means having a special place in your heart for for them. Why is it right for Paul to feel this way? Look at what he says. He says, because I hold you in my heart. Because you're so deep in my heart, I want you to know that. This is why I'm writing with such joy and affection towards you. And it's only natural for Paul to feel this way. After all, he was the one who led many, if not most of them, to the Lord in the Philippian church, right? Think of Lydia and her household coming by and seeing them pray 
along the banks of the river and then sharing the gospel with them and then they all coming to faith in Christ. Or the slave girl who had bothered them and, and, and Paul just went and just shared the gospel with her, told the, the, uh, the spirit to leave the slave girl and she became a believer. Or the Philippian jailer after the earthquake and he was about to kill himself because if the if, if uh, Paul and Silas had run away because of the earthquake, then the, um, he would have been punished by death, and so he just wanted to die by his own hand. But then Paul and Silas said, wait, wait, we're still here. You don't have to kill yourself. And then he shared the gospel with him there, and then with his whole household later and baptized them. Uh, and this also includes Epaphroditus and, and probably Euodia and Syntyche and, all the, and many of the others that constituted the, the Philippian church. Like a father to his children, Paul must have felt like a spiritual father to each and every one of them. And what parent doesn't have a special place in his heart for each of his children? What shepherd doesn't know and love all of his sheep by name? What shepherd loves each of his sheep so much that even if one is lost, he's willing to leave the 99 to go after that one because he will not lose that one because he loves them. This is what Paul is, is showing us deep from his own heart. And he's showing us how to love our fellow Christians, to truly love them by cherishing them and holding them deep in your heart like your own family, like your own flesh and blood. And not just for me to you, but for you to me and for you to, to each other. A church, our church shouldn't be just a social gathering where we see them for, we see one another for a few hours on a Sunday morning and then go home to live our separate lives. But to to be so intertwined, so intimately loving one another that when we don't see our fellow brothers and sisters, there seems there's a little empty space in our hearts that, that, it, that, that is filled only when we see them again uh, at some other point, maybe even week by week. Hopefully more. <laughs> when I was an intern at, uh, at my very first church in Savannah, Georgia. I preached twice a month at the lunchtime midweek chapel service downtown. And there was a young boy named Sam who came with his family whenever I would preach. And they would always sit on the second floor balcony. And towards the end of my internship, his parents came to thank me for my ministry to them and particularly to Sam. it turned out that Sam didn't, it turned out that they didn't normally go to the chapel, but, but Sam, uh, uh, Sam would gather his family and, and force them to come. And his father thanked me because I had a part in his coming to faith in Christ, or at least being excited about the Lord. And after that, I always kept tabs on him. And that's why I love, um, for all of its faults, uh, Facebook and social media, um, uh, you can keep tabs on those that you love. And, and, um, and over the years, I rejoiced when I heard that Sam had made profession of faith, when he was active in the church, when he went to college, 
when he got married in the Lord, and when he began his family. He has a special place in my heart because unbeknownst to him, I wasn't sure that God was calling me into ministry. It seemed like all the work that I had done, I just wasn't sure if God was using it, if I was, if I was edifying, if, if it was blessing anyone. And I almost didn't go into ministry because I wasn't sure. But after hearing how the Lord used me in Sam's life, I took that as confirmation of my calling. And here I am, your pastor, preaching the gospel to you in and out, week in and week out, all because a 12-year-old boy was blessed by me. This is how Paul must have felt how he must have held the Philippian church deep in his heart because each and every one of him them was like that to him. And I hope that, that, that you would have the opportunity to have, feel that way about others whom you lead to the Lord, whom you help nurture and disciple, even your own children, even the children of others in the, in the church, that you would have a special place uh, in your heart for each and every one of them because of the, they were blessed by you in the life of our church. Secondly, he also feels a deep affection for them because it is rooted in a deep partnership with them. Look at the rest of verse 7. He gives us another reason why he feels this way about the Philippian church. Look at what he says there. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. He uses that same, uh, he uses the same root word of, from koinonia, right? Some of you know what that means. Uh, it, it means fellowship. It means part, participation. And earlier in verse 5 of chapter 1 here, it's, he uses it in terms of partnership. There's a partnership with the whole Philippian church and his apostolic mission that he sees them as partners in the gospel ministry because they uh, support him with prayer and with finances, with food and clothing. And he uses that same word here uh, that, the, that they translate as partakers. And I, I think... I think it's an interplay between participation and partnership uh, in, the, in the life and ministry of the gospel. It's a deep, deep partnership and participation in the gospel. It's not just a social relationship, but a comprehensive fellowship of mission, suffering, and life. As Paul goes on to attest later in his letter, when he's imprisoned, the Philippian church pray for him. They partner with him in prayer. They love him and care for him so much that they sent Epaphroditus to encourage him with gifts and with his own presence, uh, food, finances, clothing. When others abandoned Paul, they stood by him. When others mocked him, they supported him. When others forgot him, they remembered him. They were with him and stood by him in spirit, in suffering, and in mission. And they stood by him in prison. They helped him stand strong in the gospel. 
They helped him fight the good fight of faith, to make the good confession in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, as Paul says. Even while he was in chains, no one had forgotten him from the Philippian church so that the gospel could go forth even in prison among the guards and his fellow prisoners. And all because the Philippian church stood by and stood with him. This reminds us that how a church lives together is what binds them together. A church on mission together is bound by that mission. A church that lives for Christ is bound by Christ. Paul's deep affection for the Philippians is rooted in his deep partnership with them. This has to be the same for our church, brothers and sisters. This, is, this ought to be what binds us together as Faith Presbyterian Church. Is, as well as every true church of Jesus Christ, bound together by Christ and his mission. Kent Hughes says it this way, we must tie Christians together in this passion for the gospel, this fellowship in the gospel. Nothing else is strong enough to hold us all together. The gospel, this good news that in Jesus, God himself has reconciled us to himself brings about a precious God-centeredness that we share with other believers. Faith Presbyterian Church, this is my hope and challenge for you. Would you partner with me in the gospel? Would you partner with me in reaching the lost? Would you partner with me in praying for the gospel to take root and bear fruit in one another's lives? Would you give all you can to the work of the gospel with your time and talents and treasure? Would you be partakers with me and each other in the ministry of the gospel here at Faith Presbyterian Church so that the deeper our partnership, the deeper our affection and love for one another will be and the world will know that we belong to Jesus. Deep affection in the gospel comes from a deep partnership for the gospel. This brings us then to my last point. For Paul, his deep affection is rooted not only in his heart and in gospel partnership, but it's ultimately grounded in Christ's own affection for them. Look at verse 8. Paul is so full of love for them, so swelled up with emotion that he calls upon God as a witness to the depth of his affection. Look at what he says there. He says, for God is my witness, right? Again, it's not hyperbole. This isn't formality. This isn't just a, a, a niceties of a letter from an apostle to, to another church. He is calling upon God to be a witness of this deep affection that he has, swearing it like an oath that he is not lying but telling the truth, that only God knows the depth of his love and affection for them. And so he calls upon God uh, to, to relay it through his letter. Like a father on a business trip where he longs for his wife and family, 
Paul longs for the Philippians. Such is the depth of his love for them. Paul goes on to tell us that he yearns for them. He longs for them, some of our translation, other translations say, with the affection of Christ Jesus. The Greek word for affection literally refers to the bowels or the inward parts or the inward being of a person. And it comes from the ancient idea that one's love and compassion and affection comes from deep within, from the gut, if you will. And so what is Paul saying here? He's saying that his affection for them is, not, is, is grounded in Christ's own affection for them. He loves them with Christ's own love for them. He yearns for them with Christ's own yearning for them. It's not an affection uh, uh, associated with Christ. It is the very affection, the affection of Christ Jesus himself. Alec Montier says it this way. What a, what a remarkable expression Paul uses. He loves them with the inner being of Christ Jesus. Certainly this means that he patterns his love for them on that of Christ. But the wording demands something more than the notion of imitation. Paul is saying that he is, has advanced, uh, he has so advanced in union with Christ that it is as if Christ were, were expressing his love through Paul. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, says, it is no longer I who live. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It's as if the life that Paul is living in union with Christ, through faith in Christ, has so overtaken him that everything he does is an outworking of Christ's own work through him, including his heart and his affection for the people of God. It's the affection that we all have through our union with Christ so that his life becomes our life. His love becomes our love. We love him by loving those who are loved by him. That which we do for the least of these, my brethren, Jesus said, we do unto him. When we love one another, we love him. And when we are loved by one another, we are loved by him. That is the mystery of our union with Christ and how it plays out in our life together. That, that we are literally the hands and feet and a heart of Christ for one another as we love each other in Christ. Our deep affection in Christ is rooted in the, very, in the deep affection of Christ. The same word for affection is also used to describe the compassion of God in the Old Testament. Uh, over and over again, whenever Israel wanders from the Lord, the Lord always tells Israel, I love you with a, with a tender mercy and compassion, right? The, uh, the Hebrew version of, of the, my very bowels, so, so to speak, that he loves Israel. And we see that, that love, that tender mercy of God incarnate in the very love of Christ when he comes. 
And this is the very tenor of his ministry throughout the Gospels. You remember as you've read through the Gospels. Uh, Matthew 9.36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion. Right? This is the same word that Paul uses here for affection. That he had compassion for them. He had affection for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Over and over when Jesus had compassion, he had an affection for them so deep it came from his own bowels, his gut. He fed them, he taught them, he healed them, he loved them. And it is this same affection by which Jesus held us in his heart to seek and save the lost. The same affection that moved him to weep when Lazarus was in the grave, that moved him to come and bear our sins, to suffer and die on the cross. For who? For you and for me, for our salvation. It is the very affection of Christ that moved him before the foundation of the world to come and take our place and to suffer and to die. It is that very same affection that he gives to us that we may then go and have it for one another. Love one another because I have loved you. The same affection for which he was forsaken by God. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The same affection for which he cried his last breath, knowing that your salvation was accomplished and complete. Nothing to add, nothing to take away when he cried out, it is finished. It is that same affection by which he yearns for each and every one of you. His affection for you was so deep that he died on the cross for you. And it's this deep affection that Paul is showing us ought to look like in the life of a church of Jesus Christ. That we ought to have for one another. Paul's deep affection for the Philippians overflowed because he held them deep in his heart because of the shared partnership that he had in the gospel ministry and yearning for them with the affection of Christ himself. Friends, brothers and sisters, let us learn from Paul and let us do likewise. Uh, let our, the fellowship of our church be so rich, so broad, so deep that we yearn for one another with the affection of Christ, the same affection that yearned for you when Jesus died on the cross for you. May we be a church holding each other in our hearts, partnering together in the gospel, loving one another with the same affection that Christ has for us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for, we thank you, Lord, for the deep affection that you have for us. Help us then to extend that same affection, that same love toward one another, that we would hold one another in our hearts as you hold us in yours. Bless us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.